0: There was once a young boy who asked his father, Dad, how do wars begin? How do wars begin? And his father responded, Well, the First World War started because Germany invaded Belgium. But immediately his wife interrupted him. And she said, tell the boy the truth. It began because someone was murdered. Her husband was irritated, and he snapped back at her. Are you answering the question, or am I? His wife turned her back on him, walked out the room, and slammed the door as hard as she could. Once the dishes had stopped rattling, there was a short silence. Then the boy said... Don't worry, Dad, you don't have to tell me anymore. I know how wars begin now. (laughs) What that boy learnt, uh, the hard way, the less fortunate way, is what this passage teaches us, what God teaches us in James chapter 4, particularly in verses 1 and 2. James writes, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure, that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. James teaches us that wars and fightings and quarrels start because of desires in our hearts, conflicting desires in our hearts. Uh, Great wars between countries start that way, but also also smaller, uh, though still significant, uh, fights between individuals as well. Uh, We desire wealth. We desire land. We desire recreation. We desire sex. We desire promotion. We desire personal comfort. We desire beauty. Uh, Perhaps we simply desire to be right or for someone else to be wrong. Uh, We're all familiar with these sort of desires, aren't we? Uh, We've all seen a child in the supermarket who is throwing a tantrum at their parents because they want something. But sadly... It isn't restricted to just children. Uh, we all demonstrate that same spirit in more or less sophisticated ways. Uh, it's what James has already said in this letter, in James 1 verse 5. Where he says, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, is full, when it is full grown, brings forth You might say, well, that's a bit extreme. Um, I've never killed anyone. Uh, I wouldn't dream of murdering someone because of my desires. Uh, but there are more creative ways of killing someone without actually ending their life. Uh, we might simply ignore another person. Uh, we pretend they don't exist and we can kill them in that way Uh, perhaps you said the phrase they are dead to me we can kill someone by ignoring them Uh, we might slander another person perhaps not in big ways not perhaps in ways which would get them into serious trouble but just in ways to other people we kill their character and their reputation by undermining them and just sowing seeds of doubt in other people's minds about how great a person they are really. We might simply end our relationship with them. Uh, We might decide just to leave them to it uh, by leaving a church or by signing divorce papers. Again, these are all ways that we can kill someone without actually murdering them. But sometimes it is also really <laughs> to kill them. Uh, we should not think that that is too um, unlikely a possibility. Uh, there are many stories of people who, in a fit of anger, have done what they would never have dreamed that they could have done and have actually ended the life of someone else. Uh, Just recently, uh, I've brought this up before and I'll bring it up again, Uh, people have been throwing angry protests, haven't they, in uh, the United States and perhaps, I don't know, perhaps even in this country. Um, And they have been protesting their inability to, or at least their restricted freedom, to abort babies. Um, now you might say, well, those protests are out of compassion for women whose lives perhaps, are, are perhaps at risk because if they were to go through with having a baby. Uh, but do you know what the... The vast majority of abortions are for, uh, at least in this country. Uh, you can look this up on the government website, but the best part of 98% of abortions are performed because of the risk to the pregnant woman's mental health. best part of 98% are for that reason, and the other 2% are for other reasons. We live in society which believes that anything that hinders our own desires, whatever those desires might be, are so-called a risk to our mental health. Uh, we think that we need to fulfill our desires to find true happiness and fulfillment. And people can even justify murder in order to accomplish those desires. In short, what we've done, the world around us at least has done, is put ourselves and our desires in pride of place. And we think that these desires must be fulfilled at all costs. And for that reason, many people give up on their marriages Uh, many people give up on their jobs Uh, they leave their family they leave churches and so often the reason they give is that they weren't happy their desires were not being met and you've perhaps heard christians who say well surely god wants me to be happy perhaps you've said it yourself surely god would want me to be happy And you're absolutely right. Uh, God does want us to be happy. The problem is the path to happiness is not in fulfilling your desires. That's what the world says. but It's not what the Bible teaches. Instead, if you live merely to fulfill the desires you find within you, that is a sure-fire path to fighting and war and discontent and quarrels and all the things which are mentioned in this passage. It's the path which says, I deserve to be fulfilled. It's the path of pride. But this passage teaches us that true happiness, true fulfilment, is found another way. So that was the problem. That's the problem presented in this passage. The reason that we have quarrels and fightings and war is because we listen to our desires that rage within us. But thankfully, this passage gives us the solution. It gives us the solution to that problem. Uh, Look at verse 6 and 7. James writes, but God gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Do you hear what the solution is that James gives? James says that the cure to fightings and quarrels and war is to submit to God. To listen to what God has to say. And James repeats this three times in three different ways. Uh, James gives us three instructions to help us submit to God. The first one you'll see at the end of verse 7. James says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Uh, I heard a legend, and I strongly suspect it's not true. It doesn't doesn't have the ring of truth to it to me, but it's a useful illustration nonetheless. But there's a legend uh, that Roman emperors, uh, as they would lead a triumphant procession, uh, leading whatever enemy they've just conquered through the streets of Rome uh, to the cheers and adulation of the crowds, they would hire a servant uh, to stand in the chariot next to them. And the, ch- uh, the servant in the chariot would whisper in their ears as they listened to the cheers and the cries of adulation from the crowds. The servant would whisper, remember, you are just a man. Remember, you are just a man. Well, Satan does the exact opposite to us. Uh, Satan whispers in our ear, you can be as God. He doesn't just whisper. We find it everywhere in our society. Uh, Our society says to us, follow your heart. Be who you want to be. Listen to your desires. All our advertisements are saying that to us. You can be fulfilled if you just get that thing. You can be whatever you want to be. And in this world, Satan whispers in our ears and tries to tell us that we can be as God. Satan tells us that we cannot possibly be fulfilled unless our desires are. If we don't appease our desires, Uh, who of us doesn't know that feeling of temptation where something that we know is wrong, but we're pulled towards it? And we think, if only I can have that thing, then I'd be happy, then I'd be content. Uh, Perhaps you're in an unhappy marriage and you meet someone who seems Uh, To understand you so much more than your spouse does, and you think if only I could be with them, then my life would be so much better. Uh, Perhaps in smaller ways, perhaps in the service station when you're in the queue, and have you ever noticed how they put the the muffins and the cookies on the, um, uh, the till as you're waiting? And perhaps you just feel a little bit of hunger and you think, ah, that's just what I need. And then you do it again and again and again. So you see in small ways and in big ways, Satan is whispering in our ears. And he's seeking to get us to fulfill our desires. And he tells us that is the path to fulfillment and happiness. And we're terrified, if we're honest, that if we don't fulfill the desire, then we're going to be miserable. Then we're going to be lonely, or we're going to be hungry, or we're going to be just sad. And that's the lie that Satan tells us. I heard a story of a man who describes one quiet night in early spring. And suddenly out of the night, he heard the sound of wild geese flying, and he ran outside to watch them fly across the moon. But as he ran outside and watched them and heard their call, he looked down and saw some of his tame mallards in the pond. And they too heard the sound of those wild geese, and they fluttered their wings feebly in response, but they never rose from the water. Uh, Their desire to fly had been weakened. Uh, The corn of the barnyard was too tempting. Now their desire to fly only made them uncomfortable. That's a picture of what temptation does to us. Uh, We think we're finding fulfillment. We think we're finding happiness. We think we're finding joy. But actually, we're doing the opposite. We're caving into a desire which is stopping us live the lives that God created us to live. It's the opposite of the path of fulfillment. And the strange thing is, we all know this, um, especially uh, if you're a parent uh, here this morning. Uh, and you know that there have been times in your life when your child perhaps is crying at two o'clock in the morning. And you don't want to get up and feed them or to ease their tears. But that truly is the path of fulfillment, isn't it? Fulfillment as a parent, at least. And yet again, tragically, there are many parents in this world who consider children as a hindrance and as an obstacle. When actually, if we are a parent, they are the path to a fulfilment which God has for us as parents. Did you see how fulfilling our desires is not the way you are fulfilled? Sometimes fulfilment and true happiness comes from denying our desires, by resisting what the devil says and saying to the devil, you're lying. Your temptations that you whisper in my ear are not true. That is not the real way to be happy. But James expresses it again in verse 8. Uh, he expresses it in the positive way. Uh, he says, negatively resist the devil and he will flee from you. But in verse 8, he says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And it's good news that James says this, um, because by itself, uh, the command to resist the devil could seem merely like a huge burden. Uh, you may have heard uh, the story of a teacher who was uh, taking their class on a school trip. And I forget the reason why, but uh, he instructed at one point on the road, uh, he instructed his pupils not to look out the window on their left. Now, what do you think all oh, they immediately did? <laughs> immediately, they go to look out the window on their left. There's something in us which does that. A wiser approach would have been to say, not don't look out the window on your left, but instead, look out the window on your right. That, in essence... James says to us here, he says, don't just resist the devil, but draw near to God. Replace the desire to give in to the temptation. Replace it with a new desire, with a better desire, the desire to know God. Draw near to him. Or as Jesus Christ uh, put it himself. He says, he who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus says, I am living bread. I'm living water. I am the eternal bread. He says, don't follow the weak, feeble, insufficient, unsatisfying things of this world look to me who can give you more than you can ever imagine Satan for example says that if your marriage isn't making you happy end it find someone else who will but God says look to Christ listen to him look at his his life and seek to follow His way. What did Christ do? He gave his life for his very imperfect bride. Um, Your spouse is not any worse than Christ's. Yet the Bible says that Christ was willing to die for his bride. Do you see? Jesus didn't follow merely his own desires. Uh, Yet Hebrews says, For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus wasn't looking for his satisfaction and his fulfillment in doing just what he wanted to do. Instead, as he said elsewhere, my food and my drink is to do the will of my Father. That is where he knew true satisfaction, true fulfillment, true joy was to be found by listening to him. And it's the same for us. If we want to be truly happy in the way which God means it, then we'll only find it in him. That's why James says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. But James describes one last and final way uh, that we can submit to God. You can see that at the end of verse 8. He says, Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double minded. James says, Have the humility to wash your own hands. Uh, sadly, uh, many quarrels and many fights uh, are a complicated mix of wrongs on both sides. I'm sure you've experienced this in your own life. It's often the case that not just one side or the other is right or wrong. Um, Sometimes it's a mixture of both. Most arguments are a mix of wrongs on both sides. It's very rare to have a case where the guilt is entirely on one side. And so James uh, instructs us, he exhorts us, he encourages us. To have the humility to ask ourselves, in any disagreement, whatever that disagreement may be, to ask ourselves, is it me? Am I in the wrong? Am I not getting this right? And James says, if you are guilty, then repent. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. There is full and free forgiveness with God. Because of Jesus' death on the cross, there is no sin that we commit that that is not forgivable. That is the wonderful good news of this passage. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, to those who are willing to confess they are wrong. So submit to God by asking yourself the question, am I wrong? And confess it to God. But if you are the innocent party then God comforts you as well God says to you vengeance is mine I will repay don't take vengeance into your own hands don't try to uh, take your revenge out on the person who has hurt you you can leave it to God who will do a better job of vengeance than you ever could that does by the way include uh, getting the law involved. Uh, The Bible says that government is given by God. Uh, So if someone is breaking the law towards you, you have every right to get the police involved. What the Bible forbids is taking judgment into your own hands, trying to punish the person yourself, That is where wars and quarrels start. Instead, leave it to God. Leave it to those whom God has put in authority. That is the way we take vengeance. Not ourselves, but leaving it to God. And if the other person is not breaking the law, if they are perhaps breaking God's law, but not the law of the land, then if they're a Christian, we go to the church. And if they are a Christian, they should submit to the authority of the church and the leaders within it. Uh, If they're not a Christian, then the Bible gives us our instructions. The Bible says that we are to not um, return evil for evil, but we are to do them good. We are to be like Christ. You remember Christ? How he went like a lamb to the slaughter. He entrusted himself to God. Do you see how submitting to God leads to peace? It might not be the kind of peace we want. It might not be the kind of peace we desire. It's the kind of peace that God desires. This is why Paul could say, I die Daily. I don't desire the death of others. Instead, I die to myself. I die to my own desires and I live to God. I live to listen to what he says. That is the path of peace. So where does fighting come from? Uh, Fighting comes from the desires that war within each of us what's the solution? The solution is to submit to God. Listen to what God has to say to us. Desire to follow him and we will not fulfill the lusts of our hearts. And we'll experience a joy. We'll experience a peace. We'll experience a fulfillment that only God can give. That's why I've chosen uh, as our last hymn, Hymn number 595. 595. A hymn which directs our gaze to Christ. Away from ourselves, away from our own desires, and upwards to look at Jesus. 595. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Naught be all else to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thought, by day or by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence my light. So let's stand to sing to close, 595.